Welcome to Behind the Scenes, Project Management at Siemens. In this podcast series, you are not going to hear project management methodologies, processes, or guidelines, or not even projects in particular. You are going to hear stories, personal experiences, and journeys of people behind the scenes, project managers and commercial project managers within Siemens from all around the world. I'm Darya Iran. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, Project Management at Siemens. In this episode, our guest is Frank Grunert. Dear Frank, welcome to our podcast. It's a great pleasure and an honor to have you here today. Would you kindly introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, Delia. Yeah, thanks a lot for inviting me to the podcast. It's an honor to be here. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, what? Uh, who, who am I? What am I doing? So I am uh, running a business segment together with a lot of other colleagues um, for uh, grid control solutions. So what we are doing is we provide intelligent control systems to steer and control electrical grids um, to customers around the world. So we have more than 1,000 colleagues. We have 29 locations around the globe. It's a very, very interesting business directly in the energy transition. A lot of fun, a lot of speed, I have to say. Yeah, this is uh, my current task. Okay, I have a CV of you. It's kind of three pages with the background of uh, what you have done, your career path. So you have a very successful, interesting and a diverse career path. Would you kindly a little bit elaborate on that? Tell us a bit more how you come here, what brought you here? So how was your journey? Yeah, I mean, I'm already in Siemens now for a long time. So actually, since 2006, I'm already with the company. Before that, um, actually, what you need to know is I, I'm not an engineer. I studied business administration in Germany and in Ireland. And uh, during my studies, uh, together with a couple of, of friends, uh, we started already a company, a consulting company. We helped the small and medium-sized enterprises to enter the Chinese market because we had some network in China at the time. This was around 2000. And in that uh, activity with that consulting company, um, I got in touch with a lot of entrepreneurs, really self-made guys, and this always impressed me a lot. And then uh, one of these uh, customers of ours, he asked me then to, to take over a, let's say, the CEO position of, of a newly founded company by him in China to ramp up a manufacturing uh, facility for aerospace and semiconductors. So we were producing precision mill parts. But after some different opinions about strategy, and in retrospective, I was at that time 27, 28 years old, I was pretty much, let's say, convinced about my <laughs> way forward, but he was also very much convinced about his way forward. Suddenly and very quickly, we decided to separate. Actually, then I wanted to start another company, but then my wife, because at the time I was already married, she asked me to to look for something more stable. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> Settle down. And uh, so uh, I had a uh, one of my customers at that time in China was Siemens. 
And this contact I had there in Siemens Shanghai, he forwarded me basically to, to his colleague in Erlangen. And he said, yeah, Frank, there is a unit in Erlangen uh, called Intercompany Services with INS at that time, Industrial Services and Solutions. And they are looking for global project managers. That is the perfect place for you to be. And so I sent my, my CV. They invited me for an interview and, uh, in the interview, they hired me, so they immediately gave me the, the go and they said, Frank, uh, we would like you to join us. So thanks to your wife, your career in Siemens start. <laughs> yeah, you need sometimes you need some rational behind for you to write it. This is actually what the wife is for. So, <laughs> to be reasonable, right? To be the reasonable hand in the background, yeah, right? Steering definitely. And this is how I actually landed at Siemens in 2006. So, and, it, and in the end, it was, I mean, my first job was not the global project manager role, which they told me. <laughs> and it's rarely the case, actually, when you start somewhere that in the end you find out, oh, what, what, what was the role now which they gave to me? In fact, I, I started off as the quality manager in project QMIP um, for, the, uh, for the toilet system of the ICE three bullet train. So there was a consortium. This is a story I like a lot. <laughs> There was a, a consortium between Alstom and Siemens, and uh, they had a couple of problems with the with a lot of things. I mean, mostly with the doors. Uh, anybody using the train knows that uh, the door system was also not working at that time, and with the toilet system. And uh, so my first job was that I entered this team, and uh, I was the QMIP for the toilet system, and they sent me to the manufacturer of the toilet system in Denmark. Uh, so that this uh, toilet systems were working. And that was my first job. <laughs> and then a little fast forward from 2006 to now. So you're heading a business, you're the general manager, and your team has, has been running many different projects in the portfolio. So how was this developed from starting as a QMIP to, to being the general manager of the project teams? And also, I know that you are the member of the Project Business Excellence Board, which is also shaping how the project management topics will be handled within Siemens. So how does it um, move from starting as a QMIP to uh, where you are now? Yeah, I would say, um, first of all, making an impact in the job that you do. And it doesn't matter if it's a toilet system or running a business segment, you know, you need to make an impact and you need to every day try to be useful in some sort of the other. I mean, I told you um, I studied business administration. So what do I know about toilet systems, <laughs> right? Or what do I know about control uh, center software? Um, I know a little bit, yeah, I have to say, um, but I'm not, uh, let's say, deeply uh, into technical, uh, let's say, expertise there. So, but there are other things I can contribute yeah, in, in any job, uh, which I did in my Siemens career. So all my, my positive capabilities, which I have to bring them on the table and to contribute to a greater success of a team. And, and actually, uh, this is... I think is one of the fundamental drivers, uh, which is moving you forward, uh, because then people would like to work with you. And then people also recognize uh, not only your achievement, but the team's achievement. And then people start asking you to take over bigger roles. Yeah? And I think this was the driving factor mm -hmm. behind. How did your background in project managers support you in, in your career as a general manager? So are there similarities? How do you see that helped yeah. you? Yes, a lot of similarities. I mean, uh, running a project is running a small business. If you really uh, define it for yourself like this, 
Yeah. So uh, if you define your project as this is your little business, you're responsible. You're not a project manager. You are the business responsible for that volume which that project represents, and you are managing uh, not only the project itself but everything which belongs to it around it. So all the stakeholders you have, internal, external. I mean, Siemens is. A big company, sometimes complicated, a lot of rules. So this is something you need to understand and you need to manage. And the same is true also with customers, right? You need to, sometimes things don't go right in your project. Actually, quite often this is the case. And you still need, as a project manager, you need to stand in front of the customer and try to make the best out of it so that customer accepts the project. And so that uh, this project contributes to the success of Siemens and to the success of the customer, even though maybe it might not be a hundred percent according to the contract. And for this, actually, you if you if you go into project management, you have the chance to shape your skills um, and to develop uh, your personality and to develop yourself. So you can be a engineer, you can be a quality manager, you can be a project manager, you can be a sales manager, all in this role of a project manager for such a project. So you can shape all of your skills in these dimensions. And in the end, this is actually helping people a lot if they want to move into line management, if they want to move into taking over responsibility of a business, um, if they have done projects before. Uh, I'm really con convinced about that, that this is a very, very good career path uh, to be a project manager, preparing you for running a business but i want to add the following thing um, it's not that you always have to go to be a business responsible when you're a project yes, manager correct. i know i know colleagues uh, they really belong to a senior management group in siemens they are project directors mm -hmm. they run the biggest projects uh, really as significant as a whole business unit and uh, so you can also have this kind of very enhanced career uh, staying in that project manager path. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned some of those already, but um, what does it take to be a good project manager from your from your perspective? I mean, first of all, um, I think maybe it's a little bit unusual what I say now, but I think people management skills is really important. Yeah? Um, this is one thing. So how uh, successfully can you interact and and manage the environment around you which comprises of people with different agendas different pressures behind themselves um, different targets be it on the customer side be it on the consultant side be it on the consortium partner side on the supplier side or internal in Siemens so to have the ability to take a step back and look at this and be able to uh, yeah from each perspective uh, manage this amount of people in the right way for to get to make the project successful for the benefit of all of them i think that is a very important skill i would also say that uh, another important skill is to be innovative so to also recognize and i'm not talking now about technical innovation yeah? i mean this is also one part so to be able to ask the right questions with the engineering team with the r&d team and so on to find the right technical solution and uh, also to, to challenge them to come up with proposals so that the project manager then can decide uh, also technical innovation topics for that project is one thing. But I also think about uh, innovation and methods. So given the setting of each project, you might move, for example, 
into applying agile execution methods. Yeah? But for this, you also need a lot of knowledge. So which kind of methods are there? Um, you need not only to, to know about lean and agile fundamentals, uh, but you also need to know about, for example, culture. Right? What kind of customer is sitting in front of me? Is that a, a customer with a high power distance um, and or uncertainty avoidance? Would they rather stick to the contract or would they be open to approach a more agile way of working together for the sake of the project success? Meaning, for example, that they are open to let a little bit open the, the, the redefinition of scope and time yeah? for the sake of progress. So that is also important, this kind of innovation part. But I think most important is resiliency. So uh, that uh, under pressure, because as a project manager, you are responsible for the project 24-7. This is your baby. It's your company. And if there is an emergency, if there is something you need to attend to, it's like in a business, like you own a business. You cannot just switch off your mobile phone. You need to attend to it and you need to solve it. And being resilient to deal with that, uh, I think that is the most important skill. Um, there is also one sentence I he heard from you before, accept responsibility for problems others created. That was something I was very much impressed. And um, how would you like to maybe explore that a little bit? Yeah, um, in a big company like in Siemens, when you move from one position to another one and you take a new job, it's never that you can start, or very rarely it is that you really can start with a white sheet of mm. paper and you can start fresh and there's no legacy, right? In every job, there's legacy. And so there are topics um, which haven't been solved, in a, uh, which need to be attended, and you need to be able to accept this and you need to be able to not just... Uh, make that transparent to the organization, but also to take on the job and uh, find a solution for a problem, maybe not caused by you, but solve it uh, for, for uh, let's say, for the sake of Siemens. So get the topic off the table and accept this responsibility. And uh, to acknowledge this yourself, to yourself is already a big step towards this kind of acceptance. Um, the problem is always a chance. Yeah, If there is a problem, it's always a chance for you to grow, to learn, to make connection, to to uh, to also get known by other people. Um, and for me, actually, this might sound silly to a lot of people, but for me, I like problems. <laughs> so I like, I like to, I'm a little bit action biased, to be honest. For this, so, uh, I uh, problems attract me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that will be then the um, maybe the critical point how you succeed in your career liking problems and being there for the crisis and solving them um, wow <laughs> which is not easy right because uh, some problems you know and and you then have to take the heat for it uh, either even though you have not caused it um, and there's a lot of pressure in the company and maybe the managing levels above you. Um, they don't really understand the full history of the problem, but you are the messenger. And so, uh, first of all, you are the one they focus on. So you need to be able to to withstand that pressure. And this is actually the topic of resiliency I just mentioned, which is really important as a project manager. Um, so you've been managing project execution teams from large-scale turnkey projects to a complex software solutions. 
Yeah, so it's a quite variety uh, and a change in the portfolio. Um, do you see any differences in the competency requirements or in the approaches um, or in the way you need to manage these kind of different portfolio or different projects? Yes. Um, here I, I want to mention that you should never just judge a project by its size. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I can tell you this really from my experience. I mean, I was in one of my previous jobs, I was responsible for the project portfolio for the HVDC projects, the high voltage diode current projects. These are the big power lines globally with big converters to convert uh, AC into DC and then back. Uh, projects amounting to more than a billion euro mm. in volume, huge projects. Yeah? And uh, when I look at software solution projects, they are much smaller. Yeah, So like a 5 million project is large, a 10 million is really large. And a 20 million project, this is, or 50 million project, we only, you know, it's very rarely that you have such kind of big projects. This is monitored by the CEO themselves. Uh, in, in the HVDC world where I came from, this was just a change, right? But what I learned, and, and I also tell you a story of a colleague in, in a second, is that these projects, the software solution projects, when it comes to complexity, are minimum at the same level as a huge turnkey uh, project. Uh, so such a 20 million software solution project from the level of complexity equals, can easily equal a 1 billion uh, turnkey transmission solution project. And... Um, I, I have a, an old colleague who has retired by now, Peter Ulrich. I don't know if you know him. So he was the project director for the mega project in Egypt. So one of the three power plants, he was the responsible project director or director of projects, how they call it. So really one of the, one of the, the, the most senior project managers we, we had at, in Siemens at the time. And when I started here in the grid solution business, a grid, uh, grid control solution business, I asked him for advice and he said, okay, Frank, uh, let me come here. Let me have a look. And I said, okay, Peter, you know Egypt. We have the approach in Egypt. Maybe you can check it out because you also know the minister in Egypt. You know all the people around and maybe you can tell me what we should do. And he went to Egypt. And he was working, really working with the project team for a couple of months. And, and I had a, afterwards a long discussion with him. He helped us with a lot of topics, but he said, Frank, I would have never thought that such a project was at that time, it was like 20 million, 30 million in volume, that such a small project can be so complex, yeah, like my big mega project. So he really compared it with the big mega project he successfully uh, delivered there. Um, and this is how, uh, this is why you should never, let's say, judge a project only by, by its, uh, by its volume. Or underestimate. Yeah. Yeah. Underestimate. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, yeah, yeah, this is also a big learning we are discussing in the PVE board at the moment because, um, in the past, um, it was always like the, 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 let's say, a level of a, of a project manager, ABC, uh, uh, let's say certification level was, of course, connected with a lot of parameters, but mostly volume. The right. Volume was the most important one. But in today's world, that's wrong. Correct. In today's world, that's wrong. So we need to discuss how we have to adjust this to better reflect the complexity of software projects, mm -hmm. of software solutions. Um, I have um, two questions related to that. You also start um, 
picturing this, but how do you see the um, picture of the future in project business? And um, like there are many emerging trends on technologies such as generative AI or sustainability. You have mentioned software-driven projects, first of its kind projects, complex, more co-creation with the customers or different business models maybe. How do you think these will have an impact on project management? Uh, will have multiple impacts um, on the project management, on the process mm -hmm. itself, how we manage project, but also on the people who manage our projects. Um, I mean, I'm really, really, you know, this is also something which excites me, this technological progress and the changes it brings. I like this a lot. And uh, AI is now, uh, everybody's talking about AI and how it will interrupt our daily way of working in our business. And it will be a big, big disruption. I, I can tell you this. Just imagine we had a generative AI in Siemens and you manage a project and uh, you have a situation and you describe that situation to the AI and the AI tells you what to do or gives you a, it's like a chatbot, right? Gives you, gives you ideas what to do. And how does the AI get that info from, from the huge, uh, let's say corporate memory we have? Uh, we have a lot of lesson learned workshops. I mean, in PMS Siemens in the process, it's mandatory to, to do a lesson learned workshop. And I tell you honestly, if you do it, you do it, but only because of the process, because you never know what happens with this kind of content you generate in that lessons learned. You, you put it in an Excel file and you put it somewhere, right? So the question is how to reuse that, right? Exactly. That's the, that's the point. How to reuse it? How can you uh, turn that into a benefit for the organization? And, AI will do that for us. Uh, AI will give us such a big advantage in managing projects. I'm really looking forward to this. And I'm also counting on, on you guys in, uh, to, uh, to basically set a little bit the path for the whole company into that direction. Now, um, when it comes to other topics like uh, co-creation, uh, which you just mentioned with customers, and we are doing this already in Grid Software, Uh, we are co-creating with customers, not only co-creating products, but also uh, co-creating projects uh, with them. Of course, a lot of parameters need to be fulfilled in order to make this successful. Uh, culture is a topic. Uh, I think you cannot do co-creation with a customer with a high power distance and a strong hierarchy. This will not work out. You really need to know who your co-creation partner is to be uh, to make an, let's say, not more than an educated guess if you want to co-create with them to make it successful. But this uh, co-creation, um, let's say, or growing co-creations leads uh, to also different requirements for project managers. Project managers need to be able to communicate. Yeah? They need to be really able to work proactively on the customer interface. It's not any mechanic thing anymore. You have checklists and you run through your checklists and then you know your project is okay. I think the focus is moving more Uh, from checklists and from mechanical, let's say, tasks into people management and getting the interface right. This is something AI cannot do. Yeah? This is something people can do. Mechanical things, mechanical checklists, this is something AI can do. We also talk about more being like a consultant on the customer side and not only being a project manager, but a little bit being more on the consultative role um, together with the project management role. How do you think about that? How do you see this? Yes, and uh, this is clearly uh, the case, um, but this also changes the requirement for the project managers. So more than before, you need to understand your customer. You need to understand the value creation process with your customer. Which kind of workflows do they have? Uh, 
how do how is their revenue stream created in order to be able to give them certain let's say feedback and and hints uh, to get more out of the Siemens solution which we provide to be the kind of consultant but for that you have to have a trustful atmosphere with them so also coming back to this people management topic yeah, you need to be able to build the trustful atmosphere and if you only stick to your contract and say that's written in the contract this is what i do this is what i not do you will for sure not create the trustful atmosphere but you can also not give away too too much right because then yeah you have to deliver a profit so that is a very challenging task and this is really changing the requirements for our project managers mm -hmm. uh, you you are also a member of the Siemens Project Business Excellence Board. We have already started discussing some of the initiatives. We talk about how the categorization changes, uh, what is, what is, what does it mean to be a complex project and so on. So what are, what else? What are the most important topics you've been dealing or discussing in the board? <laughs> Can you share a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, uh, from, first of all, let me, let me share a couple of things what I think about the board. So I think this is a very, very important board. It's uh, really taking care of our corporate memory when it comes to project management. And I, I mean, we hire also a lot of people from, from other companies, from competitors of ours. Um, and they are always very, very, let's say, uh, astonished about that that history we have uh, managing projects and that kind of process which we have um, which where all these uh, let's say lessons learned uh, flow in and and uh, you 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 change the process you in, improve the pm process for everybody in the whole world in, in siemens um, and you have this kind of really um, improved continuous improvement going on um, in this kind of corporate memory machine called PPE board, which is really, really good. The PPE board itself um, comprises of a lot of business owners from Siemens um, who, who have a project uh, as their business. Uh, and uh, we are meeting every three months and uh, we have a lot of in-depth discussions about, for example, what what does what we just discussed co-creation ai new technologies versus its kind how does that change the requirement of project managers to to their skill set what would that mean for us for for Siemens training these project managers so how how would we have to adjust the training plan in order to prepare them in the best possible way for these changes or to not prepare them but have them ready when the changes come this is one thing. Another big thing which we are discussing is also the appreciation of project managers in the company. Um, often, and this is really something uh, which uh, I take care of a lot, um, often people are only looking at, at a career like, hey, you need to become a, a business unit CEO or you need to, maybe if you're really good, you can move to the board and this is my, this is my target. And being a project manager is sometimes not really the target and it's sometimes even considered being stressful and being not fulfilling and uh, you know why you do that uh, uh, why you are responsible 24 7 for a project if you could have an easier life uh, that is something where we and everybody in the board is of the same opinion we need to appreciate especially project managers uh, project management teams in these projects very much 70 percent of the siemens business is still delivered in projects small projects bigger projects system businesses also projects with customers yeah, where you have some requirements you do an engineering you deliver a system that's also a project 
So Siemens is counting on a professional project management and the board, the PV board, is really using a lot of time to discuss what can we do to make this uh, job attractive. Um, what can we do to give these people more appreciation in the company? What can we do to provide them with a uh, with a sound perspective for their personal development? So that that even though you have this kind of more stressful environment uh, than other people, but you feel you are you you have a fulfilling uh, job. Yeah, you have a purposeful life. You are contributing. Uh, big time. So, uh, and that is also what we discuss a lot. Next to all this kind of nitty gritty process changes <laughs> and so forth, kind of stuff. Do you have a moment in your career where you will always remember? Yeah, do we have uh, such kind of <laughs> moment? Yes, I have a lot of small moments I always remember in a positive way, to be honest. The best uh, is always when you see a project being delivered to a customer and you see the team, how proud they are. You see the customer, how proud they are. Everybody's happy. There was a, a long period of darkness maybe uh, in that project, but finally everybody sees the light at the, end, at the end of the tunnel and then you get your sunglasses out, right? And the light is hitting your eyes and everybody's happy smiling. Time to celebrate. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, there were uh, a lot of these kind of uh, events, smaller projects, but also huge projects, uh, like in HVDC, for example. You know, these projects, when you, for example, the HVDC in Elf between Spain and, and France, when we energized this one, uh, this is not only a project. There was the president of France and the president, the, the prime minister of Spain coming. And uh, there was Siemens board there, and this was like a political event <laughs> uh, because was the connection of the electrical grid of Spain and the con with the electrical grid of France. That was not just a project. And this is what we as Siemens deliver. We deliver these kind of projects, not just projects. This is really meaningful stuff what we do. Yeah. So it gives me a lot of joy. Proud and joy, I guess. Um, here comes my last and my favorite question. Um, what would you tell to your young self if you have the chance to go back and meet with um, with your with young Frank, let's say, who is at the beginning of his career? And what would you advise him? What would you tell him? Yeah, that's uh, that is uh, an unexpected question. I know. Daria, I know. <laughs> Maybe I I would really I would say uh, invest early. <laughs> yeah, invest early. Invest more into knowledge. At that time, when I was younger, um, I, I have to tell you, I was also enjoying life. <laughs> that's a good thing too. <laughs> yes, that's a good thing too, and I will not miss that. I, I don't want to miss that. Great times, a uh, lot of friends uh, until today. But uh, the investment part in the personal growth, the sooner you do it, the more you do it at the beginning, the better. And not only for professional uh, knowledge, but also for common sense knowledge. Yeah, in life. So invest more early into your into your skills, into your know-how. That would be my advice to the younger Frank. What else? One more. One more. Because sometimes, you know, the first one who, what comes into your mind is something that a little closer to the surface. But if you go in deep with what else question, I really like what we can find out as an answer. Some Something more interesting might come out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Something more interesting. Um, I would also uh, advise to little Frank, um, stay a businessman. Try harder staying a businessman and uh, do your thing with your own company. Try try harder at the time. 
mean, looking back now, um, actually my next idea after separating with that company owner, which we discussed just now from the beginning, my idea already had another body um, and he had a factory for tapes in China. So a big factory, all kinds of tapes, you know, Tesa tapes, this kind, all kinds, hundreds. And actually, uh, I already was starting to start a company with him to to be the uh, the sole supplier for these tapes in Germany. But uh, maybe I should have done it. Yeah. Sliding doors. What? What? Uh, how? How could your life be if you choose that path or the other way around? So it's always interesting. Um, right? I think my life could. I mean, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, yeah. This is a good thing. Uh, this is a very good question. Um, I think um, it would be more. Let's say. Uh, self-steered to be honest a little bit more self-steered uh than than entering a big corporation like siemens and uh, becoming part of a system and then of course moving yourself uh, through that system on the other side um where i'm not so sure is if it would be better uh, with regards to purpose mm -hmm. um and this is not now marketing talk or whatever from me i really tell you Working for Siemens is a very purposeful thing because this company is not selling cars or radios or such kind of stuff. This company is selling things which are important for humanity. And this is really true. And this is not just a marketing gig. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Siemens is providing infrastructure. Siemens is providing solutions to automate factories to help reduce carbon footprint. Uh, we are really at the center of it not only at the center of the energy transition itself with the re increase of renewables and so on, but also at the center of all this kind of circular economy sustainability talk. Uh, it's not just a talk. Siemens with its solutions is playing a vital role in helping all industries globally to become greener. And uh, this is a, a big player in that. So this, I, it's not that, yeah, Frank, become a business owner, uh, yeah, um, start your businesses and grow, grow businesses. It's interesting. I like that. I'm, I'm actually kind of this, I have this kind of entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but on the other side, I have to say being part of Siemens and, and, and part of this bigger thing gives a lot of satisfaction mm -hmm. to me. Technology with purpose, right? <laughs> yeah. I truly believe this. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for sharing your insights, sharing your experience with us. And um, I really enjoyed this. Um, that was a great pleasure having you today. Thank you very much, Frank. Thanks a lot, Daria. Thank you for listening. I'm Daria Iran. This podcast is a production of Siemens. If you would like to explore our world, please visit Siemens.com.